Coming to you live from Parkview Studios, this is The Brothers Catch-Up, a weekly podcast where two brothers come together, we just chat and catch up. I'm your host, Sal Biazzi, with me is my brother, Frankie Biazzi, and it's Tuesday, which is weird for us, normally we're recording on Sunday, but we had a bit of a snowstorm this week, this weekend. It hasn't really stopped it's still snowing. snowing. Yeah, it's kind of still snowing. I feel like we live in Buffalo, New York, but like there's only three inches on the ground. Yeah. It's so much snow, it's crazy how little snow there is. Yeah. It's been snowing for three days straight, and there's like barely any snow. At least here. We went up North Jersey earlier today, and there was snow up there, but down, there. down here, not much. Crazy things happening in the world of everything we usually talk about. Um, which is funny, because I really wanted to record on Sunday, because there was so much to say, there's but I think it's kind of better... That we waited, because now we could talk about, like, Tuesday stuff. We've had a few things happen this week. Uh, I kind of want to start with the biggest news, because that's probably the stuff that most people have heard the most about, and they'll probably get tired if we talk about it too much. So let's just touch on what happened with the stock market last week. GameStop, baby. And what's going on now? Hold the line. Don't cower out. Don't paper hands like Portnoy. All I know is, I pick the worst times... To do anything in the stock market. It's unbelievable. <laughs> like, when I put in money, everything goes down. When I trade out of a stock to do something else, it goes down. And then it'll go up. I can't pick it. Dogecoin blew up. I was invested in it six, six months ago. It was you were, nothing. You were way ahead of me on Dogecoin. I kind of laughed at you when you brought that up. But over the last few days, since last week, when it, start, when it hit two cents, that's when it really triggered in my mind. Because I always took Dogecoin as kind of a joke. I was in Dogecoin at hundredths of cents. Well, yeah, that's what, sold out though. Well, that's what I always thought it would just be. But the second it gets some value and holds value, like the second people are treating it as if it's worth three cents, it is worth three it's cents. It's funny. I was actually talking about Dogecoin with mom and dad today. Yeah, and like, dad's actually kind of got a pretty good understanding of like cryptocurrency. Not not great, but like he understands like Bitcoin. That's like a real thing. And I'm like trying to explain to him like. Dogecoin is a fake one. Like, it's not even real. It is, though. I mean... It is real. It's the same thing as Ethereum, essentially. It runs, on the, it runs the exact same script. But it's just that it was made as a meme it's on a Reddit. Meme. It's a meme currency. It's crazy. <laughs> but I think the fact that it, it... The way I've been thinking about it the last few days, it, to me, has seemed... We have to recognize two, two different things. The first thing is that currency today, at least in our country of America... And most elsewhere around the world is essentially the same as Dogecoin at this point, which is fiat. Oh, fiat. It's, it's, it yeah. doesn't mean anything. So there, that's point one. The second thing we have to recognize... Well, as soon as we left the gold standard, I mean, maybe not effectively as, saying your money... Maybe not as soon as we left the gold standard, but definitely in the last, I don't know, year where we're printing like 40% of our monetary supply was printed in the last year. And, it, and more will be printed soon, as Joe Biden has told congress today that he wants the new stimulus package to be as big and ambitious as possible and i see a lot of people celebrating that like oh you know it'll be 1.9 trillion or 2 trillion dollars and that's a great thing it has nothing to do with how much money they spend on it it all depends on where that money goes but that's that's an aside. We'll get know to that it's later. gonna be terrible but yeah so gamestop took off the second reason why dogecoin so- i think is interesting is because because it is a meme stock, but it actually is used. Like, people trade it on Reddit all the time. But they've never really 
traded it the way it started to trade, at least since its earliest days, this past week. The fact that it held value, like I said a few seconds ago, at three cents, I think, is the most significant thing. Because we're starting to assign it a value. It automatically becomes the most valuable crypto there is because of how cheap the entry point is and how little expectation there is for it. Well, so I think a lot of people relate to Dogecoin kind of blew up in August. That's when the TikTokers all decided... Tried to pump it. Yeah, they were like, hey, let's just pump this stock up. If we can get it to a dollar, we're all going to be rich. Which so, is always the dream. I just hop on trends. I was like, oh shit, like this is kind of cool. Let me buy into crypt, uh, into Doge. I put like 20 bucks in. It was nothing. But 20 bucks at, like, I think it was, I think when I bought in, it was 0.0002, I think. Yeah. It's so like 20 bucks got me a shit ton of shares. And then it went up. I think at, at the point it went up to like 0.008. And I was like, all right. And then I sold it. Yeah. And then since then, it hasn't done anything. And then with this whole past week with GameStop and Doge and AMC and Nokia and uh, <clears throat> Naked, Express, Sandal, so many different companies, um, it's pretty fascinating. I wish I stayed in Doge, but whatever. If you would have asked me a few weeks ago or a month ago if Doge would ever be a dollar, I would have said no. But now you so, ask me today if it'll be a dollar, I think it could get to two or three dollars. I think I might. I think the sky is limited. It all depends on what the market decides, and I think that the market has already decided that it's not fake anymore. Well, and it doesn't even matter if it is fake, because what we've just learned in the past week is the market doesn't actually make any sense, and it doesn't have to make sense. Well, I think it makes a lot of sense. Well, you, not... I think it makes... I think it's... It's... Rigged. Well, exactly, which is <laughs> like everything else. So it's like... So it's not really real. It's real. It's real. But... Well, you got you got a nice inside baseball sort so of let's, look. Let's break it down for the people who don't really know what happened with GameStop. Just a rough overview of what happened. GameStop. I bought GameStop in. I told you I bought GameStop in like July, August of 2019. 2019 at three dollars a share, and I sold it for like five dollars a share, thinking that's profit. But I was spurred to buy it because the dude from the Big Short. Wrote a nice letter. I forget what where I read it, but he wrote a letter saying that GameStop is completely undervalued at about three dollars or four dollars a share, and that long term it has a really good outlook. There's money on the books. There's very little debt. Good leadership. All these things. Well, at the same time, companies were starting to short it, meaning they were expecting GameStop to fail or whatever. And as the pandemic hit in this year, GameStop's prices really started to plummet so the shorts went crazy and they shorted the company to 145 percent of the available float which is the number of you know actual shares of the company that exist and at that point someone on reddit noticed because one of the hedge fund guys was going around in the media circuits talking about games talking about gamestop and this dude had already been in gamestop for a while and was saying that gamestop was undervalued and realized that the short was crazy and started making all these so he made a reddit post where he was like just YOLO'd my last, my 50K on GameStop. This is a year ago he posted, he started posting about GameStop. That's crazy. Yeah. And then he pretty much said that this was going to happen, and then it happened. So, like, Reddit buys up GameStop, there's not enough shares, and the short, uh, the shorts need to cover their investments, and they can't, and the, sp- and the price skyrockets all the way up. And the it reason touches why it, $500 at one point. And the reason why it goes up so high and so fast is, one, 
the people who are buying the stock aren't selling the stock. No. So that price can't come down. Once it's going up, it's staying up. So now who has to sell the stock is that the people who have it short. But because they have it short, it means they have to buy the stock. Therefore, they are inflating the price even more. And it's kind of like this vicious circle. And it was so crazy that it forced Robinhood, TD Ameritrade, and then one other that I forget what it was. No, it was Webull. It was a lot of them. That, a lot of brokers. A lot of brokerages cut off the ability to purchase more stock. And then the CEO of Robinhood makes the media tours where he says essentially the reason why they did that was to protect the customer and to protect themselves. Which is bullshit. But it's bullshit because it's really just to protect you. Now, it's to protect the hedge funds, <laughs> not protect the customer. It, it, it's not just to protect the hedge funds. It does help the hedge funds, but it is a lot of it is because it's a liquidity issue. And that's where a lot of this comes in about how destabilizing this could be for the actual market and why there is justification in doing something. Like, there was justification in limiting what was going on with GameStop simply because the market can't handle what is about to happen or what could have potentially happened. We don't know if they were able to mitigate. But that's the fault of the market. Yes. But still, like, there are, there are times when they'll halt trading altogether yeah. to get things together. That has a name. Was it? What's the name of that? When they halt trade. Oh, no, I'm thinking of, like, bank holiday. Well, there are there are precedents, but when you just have a few brokerages that target... That bull are, run? No. When you, but when you have these brokerages that cater to specifically retail investors, and they don't know if they can cover all the investments being made because there's not the available shares and because of the volatility in the price, it does make sense for them to do something. The only thing is when all you're doing is saying that the people who use this service who are primarily retail investors can't buy but they can sell, Let's, you're artificially suppressing the ability for the stock. You're manipulating the market, yes. 100%. So it it becomes, the most, that becomes an issue. It was the most broad form of market manipulation that I think I've, I've ever seen personally, but I'm also only 26 years old and I'm not that familiar with the stock market. So maybe it's happened before in the past. I don't know. But, but this to me seemed absolutely insane unprecedented and let's be honest and then on top but then on top of it to go on the news and say we're doing it to protect you and really and the I'm getting, only neck to, I, it cost me so much money and i'm getting fucking emails from ramen hood about how they're protecting me fuck you i can't buy stock like, yeah. i want to buy stock let me do it it's and my then, money and then it's not just ge it was also amc nokia blackberry i think there was a total of 30 stocks that were halted yeah. or limited by these brokerages because the, all these stocks were in that same position of shorts not the same position ge no, was, no. gm GMA GMA was, was the most a, short yes. stock on the entire market it was at over 100 percent but some of these other ones are up to 60 percent 70 percent AMC is at 84%. Yeah, like that's so like AMC was big, and that's why I kind of doubled down on AMC. I put a lot of money in. But, like, let, let's be honest here. The reason why they did it is because they were scared shitless. It was definitely a reaction. And not a, not a good reaction. Yeah, like my AMC and Nokia. Not great. But I'm just going to hold it. I don't care. So all you got to do is hold it. Hold now, it. the problem with a company like AMC is... You know, they aren't, the fundamentals aren't good for AMC necessarily. Whereas something like GameStop, the fundamentals are a little bit better. So you're not as worried about GameStop disappearing, where AMC, like, they might come out and say, oh, you know, we're closing the doors. But, but GameStop could do that. Yeah, I mean, anyone could do that, really. But, I mean, in the stock market, I've now been investing for a few years, not very long. But what I've learned so far is 
just to not panic when you suffer big losses. Like, it, you're going to lose some. So you just got to hold what's, and be smart with how you recover from that. You could pivot. You could sell at certain points. It's the right decision. But that I've noticed is how the impact of what happened with the GameStop, the amount of people it touched. Like, there are people from every facet of life that I kind of stay in touch with that knew what was going on, people who didn't do anything with their money, people who invest heavily, people who are only into sports. Everyone was talking about GameStop, and I know a lot of people who opened up Robinhood accounts or SoFi accounts, specifically just to start investing in GameStop, and I which hope is those, crazy. And I hope those people weren't too afraid of what happened today because GameStop tumbled a lot today, which is natural. Makes sense. But is it, it – it could go all the way back down, you know? Like, we don't know what will happen with it. But the hope is that by holding, you force more shorts out, which will keep elevating the price. But today, it's I think after hours, it's hovering around 90 something dollars which is still way overvalued. So if you're in at 15 which if you're in at $3, like, there are people who, like me, bought it in August and it, didn't sell. Do you ever... Oh, yeah, that now, sucks. You can't play that game in the, in the stock market. You I, can't. I've it's had, hard not to, but you I've had play. worse losses. Like, I've had worse early sales than that. Well... Aurora, right? That's is that is that your worst? Well, Aurora was a bad buy. Um, I bought and lost on Aurora, but I've had companies where I've sold, and then next time I look at it, they've doubled or tripled. Like that yeah. happens. But again, like if you're just if if you're well positioned or you got a lot of assets and companies that are good, it doesn't matter when you buy them. It doesn't matter how long you hold them. You should make money. So it's a, it's just about patience. And if you're and if you're the type of investor who you're and none putting of this in, is financial advice. We're not experts. You're putting in your We're specific. Idiots. You're putting in your little amounts, every every paycheck. You're buying at highs. You're buying at lows. It evens out over time, and you just stay in it for the long haul. And you'll grow. You don't want if if you want to be a daily trader, go for it. But like you're probably gonna lose a lot of money. Maybe not. Mm, probably. So I know most people I know who day trade are good at it. But if you're doing it, you're prob- you have to be good at it. Yeah, like, if you're not, if you're not good you're at it. You're only going to be doing it for a week. <laughs> yeah, so, but I'm not interested in it like that. I get too stressed when I look at it too long, like the ups and downs. I don't like that. But I do like when I look at it over the course of time, and I can say, "Wow, I'm here now, and I was there before." I was just looking at mine. Uh, I've been trading for a year, not with very much money, very little money. I'm up. 650 all time that's awesome like what other vehicle of is out there that i could have put okay i know we're talking about stocks and stuff but i just looked at your finger from when you punctured it with the flooring gun yeah whatever the thing it was not that bad it's so gross oh come on that is so disgusting i feel like it's pretty healed that should tell you the nail itself oh Oh, no, no, see, see, ew, oh, God, I can see underneath your nail. See how that crack is? Oh, my God. No, it was the knee kick. I put the knee kick oh, at the God. last step. Did we talk I, about that? I, I crushed my did. hand. God, that is... Just a nail, though. But, I mean, it really isn't that bad. Like, chi- the Chinese put nails on your... Like, they'll actually do Stop. that as torture. Stop. And I just endured I... it, and it's not that bad. I can tell you I right know. now. I don't know if you were at home. You may have been in college at this point. I don't remember. When you got the splinter when under your nail. I got the splinter under my nail? But I heard that. That's, that's like... Splinter under my nail. Yeah, like, that, that sounds worse than what I did. Fuck, that hurts so bad. Like, <laughs> just think. I can... Oh! So when you get a splinter... So when they... <laughs> because, like, infections and stuff. Yeah. When I went to the... We went to, like, a centric care or something. Like, an urgent care. Or surgery center. Because the urgent care was like, oh, we can't treat that. 
So I had to go to like a surgery center, and they took care of it. They have to put a needle in for like I don't know why they did it, but they put a needle under my nail. Was it? To oh, it? I guess so. It was the worst. Oh, just thinking about it, I want to throw up. So if you're somebody out there who bought GameStop and you have all your fingernails intact, hold, baby, just hold it. Even if it crashes, like as long as you, as long as you didn't put in too much that you're willing to lose, I would hold it. If you if you're well over invested and you need some of that money out, you don't want to watch it all dwindle away. I'm take very, it out, but I'm I'm in it for the long haul. I don't care. I'm if this very is zero. flagrant with the money that's in my Robinhood account. Yeah, I don't really care about that money, so it's like I don't fucking care. I can cash <laughs> out some of these stocks, and I got a little bit of money here. Let me go all in on this stock. If it pays off, great. If not, okay. Um, and I think that's good because if it was like money like I really cared about, I think. It'd It'd be bad. <clears throat> well, I mean, I I care about the money that I have in there because I'm looking at it as like more of a retirement type account, but like just one that I'm moving around. But I've I've been in position where I've been negative, you know, like I've been heavy negative. But you know, you work your way out of those holes and you get. I mean, it really is like you said before. What other vehicle do you have? The U.S. stock market is a tool for every no, exactly. everyday citizens like, to invest your money and get more of a return than if you're just putting it in a savings account. Like if I put $1000 in my savings account, I'm not going to ha- in a year have $1600. No. It's not going to happen. The only the only caveat is you could also lose it. So you have exactly. to be careful. But if you're if you're careful or if you're patient or if you're ca- cautious and you just and you understand what companies are going to be successful? Now, I mean, you don't even have to pick what companies are going to be successful. Pick one that is and, successful. And if you're too stressed to do it yourself, you can always go, go to a, a broker professional and have a professional do it. Yeah. You can also call my fiance. You can give her your money. She'll invest for you, and <laughs> she will make you good returns. Perfect. That is not a promise or a guarantee. And this isn't financial advice. Nope. But yeah, so hold your GMC stock, GME stock, not GMC. It, oh, don't invest in GMC. They're not a good company. I don't even know if you can. I don't think you can. GMC, General Motors, of course you can. No. Why couldn't you? Because I don't think they're owned by General. I think they're quite. General, uh, you're telling me General Motors. Isn't... I think General Motors is owned by Alfa Romeo. Okay, GM, GM. is on here, but it, it doesn't tell me what it is. Is it General Motors? It literally just says GM, which I'd imagine Maybe it is, is General, General Motors. Motors. All right, I'm wrong. I'm wrong about a lot. Disinformation. All right, let's play a game. Real okay. quick game. Sure. Where I pick. We might do this once a week. No. On the podcast. Okay. I'm going to pick a company, and you have to guess what they're trading at. Like okay. a random company. Like their their cost? Yeah. Dollar General. If you had to guess what Dollar General trades at. $45. It's a, bad, it's a good guess. That's about where I would think it would be. You're completely wrong. What is it? $195? Solid company. For Dollar General? <laughs> There's a lot of them. I'm going to buy me some Dollar General. Look at that. Look at that. Oh, look trend. at that. That is crazy. Wow. Dollar General's been killing it. All right. So Joe Biden's been president. I posted this on my Instagram because I'm I, I retired from Facebook. I am miserable in the Joe Biden world. I've even taken a little it bit is of an authoritarian <sighs> dictatorship. It is. DC is a prison. Oh, wait, wait. They're going to become a state. They're under Time martial out. law. What is happening? Time out. Okay, I'm sorry. Let's pump the brakes because there's a lot to unpack. You're not wrong about anything you said, but. I took, I'm pretty much, I've retired from politics, I think, mostly. Like, I've closed my Facebook, I'm not tweeting as much, I'm not interested. I can't do the Biden administration. It's gonna be, it's, it's the Obama miserable. administration, I did but the Obama worse. administration. But it's worse. I don't need to be lied to, I don't it's need to worse. be talked down to, I don't need to be gaslit, it's fine, I'm done with it. But I can't be done with it, like I've been following, so I just want to recap some of the things that have actually happened, just on the, 
on the geopolitical front, and then we'll get to the domestic authoritarian dictatorship that I'm is forming lie, in front of our eyes. Before you even get into it, I was just on Instagram before. I was going through your story, and you had like the list of what has happened in two weeks yeah. under Joe Biden, and it's there's no other <laughs> way to describe it other than like terrifying. Yeah, and it's like remember, remember when Trump was elected. The fear people had about he's gonna start World and War Three. No one's and all even. No one, even no one gives a shit no right now. No one gives a shit that like what is happening. <laughs> and so, like literally, World you. War Three is knocking on the door. All right, so let's go over it. There is an actual border dispute between China and India right now, which has been happening for months. For, for it's months. not Joe Biden's. No, problem. but it is not. But how we handle it and approach it. So what's happening now delicate. between Myanmar and China now Burma. Is significant because the regime that is now going to take over Burma is very pro-China, if not deliberately backed. If this coup was not entirely backed by China, the way in China's like a little United States, possibly. Not going to make any accusations that can't back up, but I will say they send coups in to take <laughs> over countries, and so, which is why my stance, by the way, before we go any further yeah. on any foreign geopolitical issue. My number one stance is always going to be, let them do whatever the fuck they want. Let's not get involved. I understand there are going to be scenarios where we have to get involved. But That's most it, of the time, my stance is going to be, do nothing. So let I was gonna, these other people figure it out. I was going to get to that too. But let's hold off on that. Al-Qaeda resurged to prominence to take a power position in Afghanistan. So now... Al-Qaeda, essentially. All the progress we've ever made. We're not even out of Afghanistan. Yeah, so we made, made no progress. <laughs> like, Al-Qaeda pretty much is now in control of, in Afghanistan. We have troops mobilized all throughout Syria. Uh, in which, places we haven't been in Syria for two the, years. But that's the easy one. That's the one we all saw coming. Yes. Um, it's all the other stuff. Russia, Putin. Now, in Russia, there's some very interesting things happening. The pro-Putin protests? There's people who really want to keep Putin in power. There's rumors that Putin is not well, that he's sick. There's no clear line to secession in Russia, so whoever comes next is going to be a power struggle. But Putin has said and stated, and, and Russia's kind of imposturing, as if they're prepared for an increase in conflict. You've had reports out of, the, out of Iran oh. that Iran is very close to procuring their nuclear weapon. This is absolutely because Joe Biden is in office. Now, this isn't... Something that is new. So, like, if they're two weeks away from their nuclear weapon, that's on Trump, too, because Trump yeah. was president. But Trump walking away from the nuclear deal was because they were developing the nuclear weapon. Correct. People don't give him credit for that. He needed to walk away from the nuclear deal. The Iran nuclear deal was giving Iran nukes. Iran coming out and saying now that we're almost done isn't anything other than a leverage position because they want a, to, another paycheck from the United States— for a quote-unquote disarmament, but it'll never be that. Once Iran's a nuclear power, guess what? Israel doesn't want anything to do with that. Nope. So you have conflicts, and then we don't even, we're not even going to get into South America with what's happening in uh, Venezuela or, or anywhere else. Let's just stick with those things. In those instances alone, you have three or four scenarios where if the escalation increases or the retaliation isn't the right retaliation you could have a full-scale war which is why the northeast is such a bad spot to be. 
And I just can't help but think, like, I moved here. <laughs> I willingly was like, I'm going to go to wh- the first place that's going to get hit in a nuclear winter. Like, what if, hold on. That's let's, not going to Let's play conspiracy theory. Sure. We all know the Joe Biden presidency and the inauguration ushered in this weird time for D.C. where they locked the whole district down. It's under... Uh, military occupation yeah and as like the, what if it's really there's permanent barricades what that if they put it's up? really because like they know what's coming and it's like well there's actually going to be a war like a true ground war on american soil and we got to board this shit up well uh, the only way a ground war on american soil happens is if it's a civil war yeah are we sure yes because china no one's invading at this point in warfare like, you have your drones and you have your heavy mo- missiles. It's very different in today's world, but... There'll be I, invasions, I was but say, it won't we, be we here. We can't... I don't think we can underestimate China. If they'll... They might... They, what? They're going to do Fallout 4 and take Alaska or something? That's all That's all they can do. Because as soon as you land on the shores of America, you actually have to fight armed Americans. And we outnumber any army you're going to put here. I mean, China has a billion people. They have an army a million strong, which obviously would be very hard to repel you know what's crazy but that's not there's no real military strategic strategic benefit at this point in actually land invading you know what's the united states of america and i you'd I mean, be overrun we're kind of taking i'm kind of taking this all over the place but under trump i had when i was 18 in high school going to college i had no desire to do military stuff I, absolutely not under trump was the only time where I was like, I'd go. Am I too old? Like, am I? I'm 24, 25. Can I still join something? Do national something like that? It's crazy how quickly that changed. Now I'm like, 26. Nope. It's Biden. <laughs> I'm like, fuck that. I'm not fighting wars. <laughs> because under Trump, it was like, it almost felt like, well, there's not any wars going on, so I can join the military. And I think if we get into conflict, it's going to be for good reason. Yeah, I trust Trump. Now it's like, well. It's under Biden. We're going to have all these wars, and none of them are going to be and for I don't want to fight for other than military-industrial complex. So, nah, I'm out. Jen Pass- Paskey? S- Saki. Saki is, I think, how it's pronounced. I just call her cunt. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, that, was, that was mean. I don't actually call her that. She's fine. I mean, the press secretary is the propagandist for the state. That's fine. Like, you're, oh, what are you... She's got cute hair. I'll give her that. <laughs> I sent you a video. Describe what you watched on the video. All right. So this is a video <laughs> from five years ago when she was the, well, she the she director. She was the spokesperson for the State Department. Spokesperson for the State Department. By the Department. way, I should say, I don't know if I've ever stated this on the record before on this podcast, but I will. I The State Department to me is the State Department, CIA, FBI, NSA. DIA. Which is the one with the seventh floor? It's the State Department, State right? Department. Yeah. All of those entities are the most malicious forces on the face of the earth. So when we talk 100%. about the State Department, she was the spokesperson for what I consider to be one of the most corrupt and malicious institutions to yeah, ever so exist was, in human history. So she was, was the spokesperson. So this was five years ago. Yes. And she's, she's making a statement on behalf of the State Department about how the United States... Has this really long history policy of, and tradition of not intervening in other countries' regime changes <laughs> and backing only democratically elected government <laughs> officials? 
And like how they would never implement a coup or back a coup. That would Meanwhile, never... we just know that's not true. <laughs> like that's just a lie. So in the... fact, not only do we know that's a lie, the reporter, and she was like going to go on to like her next statement. And thank God for this guy. This reporter was like, wait, 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 hold on. He's like, he's like what'd you say? He's like, he's like, oh wait. He's like, I'm gonna repeat what you said. Correct me if I'm wrong. Long history of, of not intervening. He's like, any. I think if I remember correctly, he asked the question like, "What's your definition of long history?" Because like, any amount of history is like, no, like we don't do that. Not only do we like, well, we back coups. We also we implement, execute yeah, and we, implement, implement. Yeah, like we go around the globe. Toppling government. We go and inserting. Eh, the- we're gonna put in a leader that we know we can control, and it's gonna help us get money for oil. Trump. Tried That's what to we do. That. Trump tried to do that in Venezuela. It's what we do. It's what well, America it's what does. We do. It has no. <laughs> it, it's not Republican Democrat. Now, how how many times do we have to say this? Now I'll be critical to Trump. What he was doing in Venezuela, wrong. Now the Venezuelan people are suffering under Maduro. It's important to note. Uh, but it's not Trump. People don't realize it's not Trump doing that. Like, Trump comes out and says, oh, Juan Guaido, we support him. It's the State Department and the CIA. They operate completely independent of the executive branch. Yeah, and they do whatever they, they want. They tell Trump what to do and say. They tell the president what to do. Biden is not pushing back on the interests and authorities of the people at the State Department. They set the agenda and then execute it. And that agenda is toppling other governments in our name. Joe Biden it's sits crazy. in his room wow. signing executive orders all day. 46. That's what he does. 46 executive orders. That's like almost Trump's whole presidency. And you know, you know how, listen, every (laughs) time, and I don't want to generalize, but I'm going to. Every time I talk to, let's call it a well-informed Democrat, and I'm I'm using the term well-informed as meaning someone who watches mainstream media. That is what I'm considering a well-informed Democrat. That's about as far as it goes. They have the exact same talking point to every argument so bring up joe biden's executive orders naturally their response would be what about trump all of trump's executive orders and it won't matter that you can tell them no trump's executive orders were so few in comparison to what biden is doing in his first couple weeks it's not even close this is authoritarian and you don't get met with anything after that it's just you're well you're wrong Biden said while he was campaigning that only a dictator would rule through executive order. Um, they li- listen. We can't get this. Can't get lost. We have a Senate. We have a legislative branch. We have a Congress. We have the the judicial branch. We have the executive branch. The United States is no longer a democracy. It's not a republic. You can play all the semantic wait, games you on. want. It's. I'm glad you brought that up because this is going to transition to like I have kind of a take here. Okay. I we we have spent a lot of time on this, but me personally, I've spent so much time blaming them and who's them, like the deep state, the the corrupt officials, and all these people. But at the end of the day, it's our fucking fault. Yeah, because today I heard a voice on TV and I turned around, not expecting who it is, and it's my fault for not being informed that this person still holds power in this country. But Debbie Wasserman Schultz is on TV. That's insanity. And it is only the fault of us because we vote for these people and put them in. I'm, it's like I'm losing my mind. Yeah. Why is she? Imagine if you, in your daily job, did anything as criminal as what Debbie Wasserman Schultz did. She got fired for it. 
It's just still there. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. She got fired as the head of the DNC. And she's and still, still like, like a prominent Democrat. Like, yeah. But like people miss. So it's our fault though. Like it's the people's fault. The people vote for her. But not really. I don't know. But, but they did. It's not. It's not. It's a rigged system. Like you just run in places where you know you win. You get the right people in and then you control them forever. Debbie Wasserman Schultz is a puppet for Hillary Clinton. And Hillary Clinton has a ton of representatives <coughs> in both the House and Senate in which she controls part of our government. Same with Barack Obama. Same with... These are all political animals that operate as one thing. But the United States government is lurching as a machine right now. It is, it's like I was about to say. It's not, a, it's not a democracy. It's not a republic. You can, you can have whatever argument about what you want to call it. But it's, it's a technocratic oligarchy. It's a kleptocracy. It's definitely a system that is top-down, ruled by an authoritarian, and Joe Biden is simply the puppet in there now. And, like, we can have these conversations about, like, corruption and all this stuff, but where it gets so lost is, like, when we know it because it's so blatant, but we never see any justice for anything, it's really disheartening. And, like, I don't know what to make of it. I mean... Do we just keep having conversations like this and yes. hope things get better? <laughs> no. Like, it won't get better. It continue to get worse. But someone like – I mean, think about how they apply the standards selectively. Like, what Hillary Clinton did with her emails – I know that you always get the butter emails people, but, like, what she did with her emails was a legitimate crime that would get anyone put in prison for years and years, not Hillary Clinton. John Brennan lied under oath. Andrew McCabe lied under oath. Uh, Comey. Comey lied under oath. Clapper lied under oath. General Flynn told the FBI he couldn't remember what he talked to the Russian ambassador about in the routine goings-ons of his job, and they threw the book at him. And they're still going after him. I wonder what they're going to do now that Biden's in office. Trump is the only president we've had in our lifetimes who didn't start a war, and he's going to be the only president in our lifetimes to be impeached twice. He's going to be the only president in history to impe- be impeached after he leaves office. And those two things aren't unrelated. The system that is in place is there to make the rich and powerful in this country a lot of money. It is and an absolute machine. And if you try to go at the machine, it will chew you up and spit you out. Now, it's good at Living it. Living proof is Donald Trump. It's good at it. But like the most powerful people to ever live in human history right now exist in our world. And they control pretty much our political system. And... The scariest part is it's not just our political system. It's the global political system. And the goal of these people is to shift us away from having a sovereign, independent nation and move us towards having a dependent, globally aligned nation where everyone is sort of... But that sounds nice, and it would be great. Like, if aliens existed... terrible. It would be nice if aliens existed if there was just one human race that was represented. Like, yeah, I get that idea, but it should never be one where we're falling behind Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates in some billionaire land. Jeff Bezos step down as Amazon CEO? Yeah, I think that's very interesting. But I don't really know I don't really know why it's interesting yet. You just gotta follow along. He just got all his money. He's like, fuck it, I'm not doing shit. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. That's probably what I would do. But, I don't know, but like, at what point is it like the bare minimum? If someone gets caught having spies working for them, or sleeping with spies, can we? Can that be a law? Like, can, <laughs> can we put? You're not allowed to be a government official. You don't have to go to jail. Just like you can't remember any how longer work in politics. Remember how mad we used to get talking about Hillary Clinton and the Clinton Foundation? Like just how simple it was. 
how she would go around the world getting money from foreign leaders and it would go right to the Clinton I mean, Foundation. I mean, the Haiti hands. thing is like wild. Like, yeah, what they did in Haiti, like Bill and selling, Hillary, like selling off bids for rebuilding of Haiti to your brother so you can make a shit ton of money, but actually not rebuild Haiti at all. So you have an entire country that hates you. <laughs> like, think about it. I have an entire country that hates Hillary Clinton. They hate the United States at this point. Like they hate our government. How want to put bets on how soon we see like an article about like ISIS attacks? Do we think ISIS just comes back? Oh, of course. We're gonna start giving them weapons again. No, actually, we <laughs> talked about this, but I don't think we talked about this on the podcast. I think we talked about it in the car. Okay. I said, "How soon are we gonna start seeing like terror attacks all over?" And you were like, "We're not going to. They're gonna be domestic terrorists." Oh attacks. yeah. Well, that that well, we were talking about things like that yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean here. But ISIS coming back in Syria. Or Afghanistan, it's gonna be no time. We're gonna be giving them guns and hey, we well, do you guys want your guns back? <laughs> we got them. Do you want us to free your prisoners? I don't know. I really just do feel though. Um, I'm gonna pat ourselves on the back for a little bit. I do think we're starting to hit our stride here, and I do think there is a large contingency of people who are gonna start to see what's going on and be like, "Yeah, we're in a really dark spot now." And it had nothing to do with Trump. In fact, it's almost the exact opposite. and has everything to do with the political system that has been in place for so long and been broken and openly corrupt for so long. Democrats and people who support and voted for Joe Biden can say whatever they want about Donald Trump. If Hillary Clinton had won, I am 100% convinced in my heart of hearts, there's nothing that would convince me otherwise, that the first thing she would have done just like joe biden the first thing he's doing is signing all these executive orders to reverse what trump did the first thing hillary clinton would have done was going to put that no fly zone in syria we would have that been would have, in war with russia it would have been a, we would have immediately been on a, in a ground war mm-hmm. with a nuclear power yep and that's all it'll take and that's what they want in a way well they they want it because for a lot of reasons okay hold on we talk about moments of crisis or how you implement more control yes we saw it with 9-11 we've seen it with covid What would be the biggest way to do it? Third, a a giant world world war. war. Guess what? Hey, and what comes and what's on the other side of a giant world war? They will whisk you out of your homes and relocate you like you were refugees in a second, and they will put you in camps. Dude, look at the camps that are happening right now now. in China. Yeah, it's crazy. It's 2021. Mm. It doesn't get talked about. I mean, in Germany, they're putting COVID. They're putting people who don't follow the lockdown rules in germany in camps what's what's the saying about history repeating itself it doesn't repeat it doesn't itself, repeat it itself it rhymes yeah i feel like it really is fucking rhyming right now but ultimately we have a continue we have a situation where it's not as dark we're just doomers right now like we gotta lay well, off that i don't know ultimately ultimately the united states economy is strong for now the people are starting to unite against this hege- this hegemony of this ruling class. And we've, and we've said that on here before. It's like, maybe positive thinking. Like, put on my positive cap. Maybe what we said about Trump was 100% right, that Trump woke a lot of people up. Yeah. But it didn't necessarily mean it woke them up to the truth. It just woke them up to, like, hating Donald Trump. Which is okay, because it at least woke them up to something. And if they're... It's hard to, once you start paying attention, to just stop. So I'm really hoping that over the next couple years with Biden, people are paying attention to it and really see it for what it is. And hopefully, if we can survive it, which I think we will, like we're pretty resilient, like you survive it, and maybe we can start to see some change in voting for 
people who will actually do good. <coughs> cough, Tulsi Gabbard, cough. There's no, I don't think there's any means of fixing this through the ballot box any longer. I used to think that, but I don't think there is. I think that is completely there to keep us trying and keep us ho- hopeful. But in reality, I don't think there's any way to get the powerful out of power through the no, vote. No, you can, if you look through like history, right, there's going to be like these little pop-ups of like these moments. Reagan was a moment. Barack Obama was a moment. Trump was a moment. But at the end of the day, the establishment gets their way. The establishment gets got their way with Reagan, with the failed assassination attempt. And then they get their way with Barack Obama. They got their way with Trump. Like, at the end of the day, even if you do succeed at the ballot box, it's like, okay, great. You did step one. There's 99 more steps and no one has been able to get past, like, step five. Trump has probably been the closest. Yeah. And look major how fucking up, far he was. Major upset. Yeah, he didn't do He didn't do anything. anything. <laughs> so, like, so it's hard, it's hard to not feel hopeless. So it's hard to have the positive caps on and not live in a world of doom and gloom. Well, I still don't think it's necessarily as doomy and gloomy as we make it sound. Because these people are necessarily incompetent. Like, to be as blatantly ineffective and clownish as people like Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, Lindsey Graham. To be able to, like, they have now established track records that span four generations of human beings in this country of saying one thing and then doing nothing about things, getting nothing done on every issue, on every issue. The United States, Pat Leahy, is going to preside over this stupid impeachment trial because they can't get the Supreme Court justice to come and actually do a legitimate impeachment trial. Leahy was first in office, I believe, 1968. 1968. Check that. I'm going to fact check it right now. It's either 68 or 72. If we're being honest, I don't know how to spell Leahy. L-E-A-H-Y? Yeah, look at that. Um, he's been a senator since 1975. 75. Was he, did he hold an office before that, though? First office. No, it looks like 1975. Well, still, 75. Think about how much the United States has declined since 1975. Think about all the conflicts, all the mistakes, all the bills that have been written and passed that have done nothing but to erode our constitutional freedoms and to turn the production in this country to value this while the the profits go to the 1%. Oh, you know what? He was a he worked at the state's attorney. He was the state attorney of Chittenden County in Vermont and that was in 66. All right, so he was elected in 1960. But that's a small a office, local small government. local office. But a senator since 1975. Think about how much has happened since 1975 in this country and how responsible our senators are for that. It's not just Leahy. It's Diane Feinstein. It's Chuck Schumer. It's Nancy Pelosi. It's all of the most powerful people yeah, no, in this term, country. Term limits aren't a joke. But it's not... I don't think term limits are the answer. It's not... I think they help. It's a, resol- it's a revolving door. Sure. The only people who want to hold these offices are the most corrupt slime balls in the whole country. Well, for the also, most they're part. Also, they're also like the only people who can. Yes. It is very hard. Unless you get into politics at an early age and... 
and you're just a great person and you're able to meet these uh uh fundraising goals to in order to run for these seats it's very hard or if you're someone who's a complete outsider and has enough power and well and knowledge and uh what's the name recognition that's the only other way. Which Mar- is why like someone like Trump is able to kind of break the barriers. Like, Marjorie, so well Marjorie Taylor Greene in Florida. She's getting dragged. She's getting dragged. She's the only person in the entire co- Congress or Senate who says, hey, 9-11, maybe not 100% we know everything. You know she, what they call they her? act like she's a fucking Nazi. She's a conspiracy <laughs> theorist, man. But those are the, those are the people... Nancy who Pelosi, threatened, who threatened the fabric of our nation, man. Don't you know that? Yeah, if, people, you, if you question anything, you're the biggest threat to, yeah. to us. Yeah, that's what's so depressing. If you don't just take this narrative, we have to kill you because yeah. you're the biggest threat. If, you, if you're outside of our Overton window, if you have an opinion or a viewpoint that we find to be unsavory, you can't... We can't even work with you. We can't talk to you. We can't see you. She was elected... She won 70% of the vote. Where she was from. It doesn't matter what Nancy Pelosi thinks of her opinion on 9-11 or QAnon or anything. Go fuck yourself is what Mar- Marjorie Taylor Greene is telling them and should continue to tell them. In fact, I hope she says it just like that. Say, That's hey, what I want. Democrats, fuck you. If, I st- if there's a politician who comes out and like they're just yelling, like, suck my balls, go fuck yourself, <laughs> I would vote for that person so fast. I know, it's so funny. Man, woman, <laughs> black, care. white, I don't care. I'm voting, I'm for, voting for you. Yeah, I'm just running for office so I can say fuck you to these people. I hate these people, yeah. that Maybe I will run like that. Why not? <laughs> no one's ever tried Has anyone ever tried it? That's whole platform. Hey, would you get behind my campaign if it was... I just fucking hate it so much. I can't, I can't stand any of these people. Elect me so I can just make them miserable. I will, I will make drive their lives them miserable. crazy. I will make... I'm a QAnon-supporting nut job. Put me in there with them. I will I will torment them. I will make their lives hell. You know what I do think though, right? It's like maybe that's where we need to go with it. I think because I think the rational, like, just try to be this, well, I'm gonna go in, I'm gonna work so hard for you. No, no, you're, no, you're not. No, it ain't gonna work. We're gonna get nothing done. I'm gonna fight with you every oh step of the God. way because I can't stand you and your moral high grounds. Guess what? You ain't got none with me. Let's go. Maybe. Oh boy. Well, I mean, I hope everyone out there knows that we're, most of this is just mostly kidding. It's a lot of it serious, but we're just, just short, uh, small talk, nothing crazy. No reason to get too heated, and no reason to get too down. It's just fun. But, in light of my retirement from politics, I know we just spent 45 minutes talking about politics. Well, this is your outlet, no. Yeah, exactly. This is, if you want to hear what I think about the current events in politics, you can come to this I will say, by the way, over this past weekend, Amanda and I went to one of her friend's house and... I'll say his name, Adriel. Um, he's a big fan of our podcast. Nice. He listens. Shout out. It's so cool, like <laughs> to have like just know like someone listens to us, loves what we have to say. Cool. He's like, oh, I listen to every episode. You just feel like I know you and your brother. I'm like, that's great. Like that's, that's what so we cool. Want. That's what we want. So thank you. Share it with your friends. Oh, by the way, he was like, oh yeah, I turned you on to a couple boys back home in Woo! Texas. Like, yeah, let's go. Let's like, go. Let's, let's go. We're spreading the Texas. Which, so thank you for that. And it just. And that's my point. It's like I, I do think at the end of the day, we're gonna just talk about things. I think a lot of people feel and they yeah, don't, and like a lot of people feel this like frustration. They don't know how to get it out. And yeah, and that's it. It's yeah, all exactly we're just venting. It's just venting. We're not 
domestic terrorists. While also talking about other things. Yeah, and I was going to say, because, like, as I've shifted, not paying as much attention to politics, I'm not getting so heated at people. I'm just kind of... I do like to drop... Now that I'm not a Trump supporter, because he's gone, uh, it is fun to argue with Democrats, and then when they go, oh, yeah, you, you right-wing, I'm like, I'm not right-wing. I knew I did say that that was going to be fun. I am having... I am enjoying that. I haven't like, tried that yet. Like, kind of going back, like, look, I'm coming at it from the left a lot, and I could do that. Um... But I've been playing more video games because I've had more time. Which is good. And I finished uh, South Park The Stick of Truth. I know that came out like seven years ago. Gotta say, solid game. Seven years? I thought it was longer. It's a long time, though. Last I mean, gen. seven years is a long time, but I thought it was longer. I think it's 2014. But I'm telling you, I remember <clears throat> I remember how hyped I was for that game. But like when it was coming out, like I didn't have money. And I was past the point of like asking mom to buy me a video game, so like I just never got it. So I never played it, but I was always so interested to play it. I, what I want to know is like, is it funny? Is the game funny? Yeah. Does it a, play like an episode? Some of it is really depraved, obviously, because like it's a video game, and they, they can don't get have, away with yeah, a little bit more. They do push the envelope a lot, and a lot of the times I'm like, holy god, that's a, that's a little over the top. But it is funny. There are some moments where I was legitimately. When you go to the cutscenes or you're interacting with characters, you really do feel like you're playing an episode of South Park, which is so fun. Is it the funniest video game you've ever played? No. Portal? Portal's funny. I don't know what the funniest video game I've ever I always got a kick out of Grand Theft Auto games. Like, I don't... They're pretty funny. Yeah, they're funny. But, I mean, it is funny. The game is funny. It is fun. There's a lot of fart jokes, which... <laughs> I know that kind of comes with the I don't territory. Know, I giggled at just the thought of fart jokes. So. <laughs> a lot of fart and poop. A lot of that. Um, fart and poop will ev- forever be fun. <laughs> uh, I would say the game itself, I give it a 7.5. So if you're looking to play an old game, I think I got it for 5 bucks. I'm downloaded it on my PlayStation. PlayStation 4, not a new console. You can get that, play it. It's a good game. Seven, $4. Half. That's what I got it for. I'm about to be alone for a couple days. Yeah, you can definitely. And, and I'm it's, gonna knock it out. I think and I'm it's gonna get pretty, it and play it. It's definitely pretty light, which is what I like. It's an Obsidian game, and I'm really big into Obsidian RPGs, um, which is what this is. But it's not like a. Most of the time, when you get into a new RPG or whatever, you're really sinking a lot of time into it. What else does Obsidian make? They make Kotor Two, which is my favorite Who video game Mass of all Effect? time. Mass Effect is Bioware. Bioware. But Obsidian made um, Fallout New Vegas. They made. Uh, the Outer Worlds, which came out recently, which was okay. So they have big, big games under there. Did you see what I tagged you in on Instagram, by the way? Uh, no. I don't think so. Maybe. Uh, Probably. That's heartbreaking, because you need to watch it. Okay. It's just this guy on Instagram who made, a, like, a six-minute video of, like, if Skyrim was real. Yeah, so I did watch that, yeah. That was fucking hilarious. And I, I haven't even played Skyrim that much, and I was like, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. <laughs> I was very amused at the way he was able to move his legs. It was so good. He was moving his legs exactly like they do in the game. It's crazy. Sometimes I do move my legs. It was pretty funny. I did see that. Um, I was actually thinking about maybe starting a new game of Skyrim because it's been Why a while. Not? That's all you do. <laughs> it's been a while, but maybe not. Depends. Um, we also had some Dolphins news. Yeah, so this... Um, okay. We haven't talked about this. We haven't really talked much football, I think, but... The Dolphins today announced the promotion of both George Gotze and Eric Studsville <laughs> to be co-offensive coordinators. Which, give it to the Dolphins, they're always doing the thing you just least no, expect. No, see, at first, at first my thought was, Ugh, 
Like, I don't like that. That might be bad. That's weird. But I called you to tell you I had a take on it. Yeah. I want to hear But it. I said it was positive. Okay. Okay. And I'm only going to say it's positive because of Brian Flores, and he has earned a lot of credit. But you talk, you go back to what uh, they did in uh, New England when Flores was there and how he was he was the linebacker coach, but he's also calling the defensive plays, and their defensive coordinator isn't. And that's a different culture. Not a lot of teams do that. Then we'd start looking at what Miami did. And last year we hired a high school football coach, and he was our third down play caller. Like, he specifically took care of third down offenses, which is like, that's something different. Now we're going to go with two offensive coordinators. And most teams kind of do have two offensive coordinators. One is like the passing game coordinator. It's like, they have them. We're just going, it's more of like a title thing. But also, under Brian Flores, football is such a team game. And it makes no sense that coaching isn't like that. So I think this is just like a more oriented, like team-oriented style of coaching. And I'm actually really excited to see how it plays out. I'm hoping there's not like this weird power struggle that develops and... It collapses. It collapses, which it could very well, definitely could. But I think Flores is like the perfect leader to make it work. Yeah. I would like to echo that. I agree with what you're saying. I think I'm positive on it because I like the way they... The process played out. The season ended. Uh, you know, Gailey retires. And then they take the time to interview a lot of really good candidates and put a really nice list of candidates together. And had two names in-house that they stuck with the whole time. And went through the entire senior bowl process together as almost like an audition for the both of them. And what they came away with was giving them both the job. Which, which tells me they worked well together. They which, always have worked well together. It makes perfect sense. Is like, listen, if you like both of the guys and you want one of them to be your offensive coordinator, you're going to lose the second guy. Maybe not this year, but next year. So it's like, hey, wait, what if we build them both up? Like, let's see what we can do. Um, well, I'm sure they knew that this was a... I'm sure they the discussion wasn't had just today. Like, I'm no, sure they no. knew the whole time that this was probably a possibility. And But Sudsville, I don't know if you know this, he was our run game coordinator two years ago. Studsville is who I wanted to be the offensive coordinator. He was who I wanted. So I'm happy he's going to be the offensive coordinator. But he was our run game coordinator under Adam Gates before Flores even got here. So now he's the co-offensive coordinator, but you have to think he's probably going to take some of the run game. And Chris Kaufman of three yards per carry made an interesting point. I think he's probably right. By... Just by nature of what's happened, Flores is going to... I think this kind of speaks to how Flores coaches, where I think he'll be very involved in the whole situation, where it's going to be very top-down. And he'll be probably paying more attention to the offense than even the defense (laughs) because the defense is already under his control, really. Think about how Belichick coached. Belichick was a defensive guy, but he was an offensive genius. And Flores doesn't see himself as just a, a defensive guy, and he says it. He's corrected... Flores, before. Flores has to prove it on offense. He's yes. proved it on defense. He's got to prove it on but offense. Remember the last two the last two offenses, he took New England's pass game coordinator. That lasted one year and he fired him because he didn't like what was going on there. And then Chan Gailey, who's an experienced old head coach with an offensive background. Remember in two thousand the first Flores year, 
we were trying to get Jim Caldwell to be the to be like the assistant head coach who would have probably helped on offense a lot. So I think now Flores has coached two years. He's got the defense he likes in place. I think he's got a good feel on what that's what's going on on that side of the ball. And maybe this year is where you're going to see more offensive. Where he's really going to fingerprints. Put. Yeah, I hope so. Because now without Changeli, like you probably let Changeli do most of it last year. Yeah, but you're probably doing a lot, a lot of, of it, it now. Or at least you're working with these two other coaches. And who the other thing it does do is if in a year or two, let's say after this year, you really like what Studsville did or you really like what Godsey did and you didn't really like what the other did and you want to get rid of one to just go with it. Well, now you're changing offensive coordinators again, but you're not changing it for a young quarterback. And I think that's important because we saw this play out with Tannehill. Tannehill in his first five seasons had three offensive or had four offensive coordinators and like two head coaches like yeah but let's give let's give Tua if we're going to if we're going to build around Tua we're going to build him in this draft you also have to build a coaching staff around him too and i think Flores is going to build a staff around Tua well i think he's trying to find the guys that are going to put in place his vision for what the offense should look like and i think uh what's his name the new QB coach i think he's going to have a lot of yeah, input here too yeah he's supposed to be good too so yeah, so we covered a lot there. Do we want to preview Super Bowl? Do we want to give thoughts? Yeah, we can do that. Chiefs by a billion. I'm going to go with Tampa. No, don't even say it. I'm kind of rooting for Brady here. Come on! I've never I've never been able to like really root for Brady. I'm going to give it a go. Like, Let's go, Brady. He deserves it. I'm rooting for Brady to throw seven interceptions. No, because you know what? I've always looked at it, and I've always argued that Tom Brady is not the greatest quarterback of all time. He's not. He's been on good teams. From a skill, from a skill perspective, from a winning perspective, I think he is. But like, I think I don't he, think he's the most talented. I think if he goes out there and wins another Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he's the best. How is he not? And I'm rooting for him to do that. Like it, I always root for greatness. I'm not going to be a hypocrite and root against Tom Brady just because he's Tom Brady. I root for greatness root too, for which is why I'm rooting for Patrick Mahomes. I think that. Patrick Mahomes. Is going to be the greatest quarterback of all time. Therefore, I'm just a head start. No. Just a head start rooting for greatness. I think. I you, think if you're telling me if Patrick Mahomes goes out there and wins in his first two seasons, two Super well, three seasons, but in his first three seasons, he wins two Super Bowls. Have you ever heard of Ben Roethlisberger? Uh, he is garbage. <laughs> okay. No, he's not garbage. He's a Hall of Fame quarterback. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. He's not the greatest of all time. All right, here's a question. Um, Top Barstool. Yeah. So Barstool Chicago, they do. Super Bowl draft. They did okay. the Super Bowl draft. They drafted different things from the Super Bowl. One of the categories, subcategories that you draft is Super Bowl quarterbacks. Who is like the best Super Bowl quarterback you could draft? Number one is obviously Tom Brady. Who would you say number two is? Super Bowl quarterback. Super Bowl quarterback. Has nothing to do with their career. We're just talking Super Bowl. Super Bowl winning quarterback? Super Bowl. It doesn't, they don't have. Maybe it's not winning. Dan maybe Marino. they've gone to a lot. Dan Marino! So Dan Marino didn't come up. No, but that's the joke. Uh, that's my bias. But I will say probably on the list has to be uh, Montana. So Montana was number two. And then you have to go with Elway probably. And Elway was three. But Elway was two and four in Super Bowls. He went to six. He was two and four. Yeah, but... Montana was four and oh. But see, but Elway know, is the opposite of Dan Marino. You know who I thought was number two? Like, as soon as the discussion popped up? Who? It's Eli Manning. 
No. A hundred percent. Like a hundred percent. No. He beat Tom Brady twice. Doesn't matter. Tom Brady. <laughs> Eli Manning is the Eli Manning is good. He's on the list. Eli Manning two. is the only thing that stands in between the Dolphins being the only team with the perfect record. Doesn't matter. That's it. Doesn't matter though. It does matter. Those teams. See, I was about to say, Elway is the opposite of Dan Marino because Elway had shit team. Well, Elway had good teams, but Elway just carried everything. <clears throat> really delivered in those Super Bowls. So, like, now as a Dolphins fan who missed out on Marino, did was he just not good in those games? No, Marino was really good a lot in the playoffs. His stat lines were crazy. The defense was terrible. <laughs> like, the defense for most of the years was just awful. And then, when it wasn't awful, there was just no support around Dan. So, like, there was no run game. And there was no... Well, they, there was periods where he didn't really have wide receivers. But in, for the most part, he did have wide receivers. But, but I mean, he was Dan Marino. So, like, who, you're just catching passes from Dan Marino. But... It was different back then, too. Like, it wasn't like it is now where the quarterback could win you everything. Yeah. Like, quarterback... What Dan Marino was doing back then, no one was doing. Yeah, he changed the league. He was slinging the ball all the time, throwing for it was like a 400 run, yards. It was a run-first league before... Forever. Yeah. And then Dan Marino threw... And then his record stood for 20 years until Peyton Manning came along, and now they get broken every other year. It's a different time now. Yes. All right. I'm surprised you don't think Eli Manning is higher up on that list. Eli Manning's you know, like... He doesn't have to be two, but he's... Is Eli, he top five? Eli Manning is like eight. Ten. No way. Fifteen. He's two. No. When you think Super Bowl, you think Tom Brady. Yes. Then you think Eli Manning. No. You gotta think about Joe Montana. You're like, ah, Montana, Elway. Well, I didn't really have to think about Montana. I was just you thought like, about him. Montana's easily number two. Three, maybe. <laughs> Eli could be eight. Eli Manning went to two one two against the two best teams put, of his time. I would put Peyton Manning ahead of Eli. No, <laughs> get out of here. I would put Peyton Manning's a joke. Brett Favre ahead of no, Eli. No, God, you're awful. You're wrong. Let's end this. Now I'm mad. Aaron Rodgers. No. Oh my God. No. Are you kidding me? And his one Super Bowl over Eli. Eli Manning went into Lambo in. Punched. That wasn't in the Super Bowl. It doesn't matter. He went into Lambeau and said, hey, Rogers, suck this. Eli Manning is two miracle catches away from losing both those Super Bowl games, as good as, as good as those games were. He didn't play all that well. And Tom Brady's good de- four good defenses away from having, like, one Super Bowl. Tom Brady's done it, though. Like, I can't deny that Tom Brady's just done it. Like, he, every day he steps on the field, he delivers. Let's be honest. Eli has never Tom been Brady, that quarterback. Tom Brady shouldn't have even, even be in the playoffs. Anymore, they should have been knocked out of the playoffs already. Well, they should have lost last week. Should have, would have. All right, that was a good podcast. Hopefully, y'all have a good week. We'll see you on Sunday, our normal day. This won't ever happen again unless it snows or anything else. We're not mailmen here. We deliver on Sundays. No sleet nor snow nor dark of night. Yeah, whatever but, their pano is. Yeah, but mail people don't deliver on Sunday. So actually, in fact, we are mailmen because we did not deliver on Sunday. Oh. Well, have a good night. Bye. Play the catcher.
record. <clears throat> Military has arrested president and vice president for voter fraud and declared martial law in Burma. <laughs> you know what Biden was thinking? Ooh, thank God it was Burma. Holy shit, that was close. <laughs> thank God it was Burma. Uh, I prefer the name Myanmar. I use Burma because it's way easier to spell than Myanmar. No, but Myanmar is so easy. M Y A N M A R. I think that's easier than Burma. Burma? Is there an H in Burma? No. There could be. No, no H. It's just Burma. I, I can see an H in there. Burma. All right, so what are we going to cover today? It's all right. Let's just wing it. <clears throat> Dolphins OC. Okay. GameStop. Got it. Those are the two main things. About some Biden stuff? Definitely some Biden stuff. I, I actually want to talk about the the coup. In Burma? In Burma. And the bullshit that, like... Alright, already getting into interventionist regime changing. Did you watch the video I sent you earlier today? Yeah. <laughs> the, United, the United States has a long... Has a long history... <laughs> oh my god. There's a long history of not involving we don't ourselves want, we in don't agree undemocratic <laughs> regime change. Do you believe that video is five years old and the only thing so, that's happened in those years is she got a promotion from what she was doing to the White House press secretary? <laughs> yeah, I can. I can literally <laughs> do it. It, goes back, it goes back to the Trump. All right, wait, we got to stop it. 